0: This, uh, this Sunday, we are just moving forward and opening. So I know that our kindergarten age, that's kindergarten through fifth grade, our, our elementary age, if, if you would come this way to join your teacher, you're going to go down for a lesson. You don't have to listen to me today. Oh, wow, someone's already celebrating. You don't have to listen to me today. I couldn't even get the words out. And she's celebrating. So if, if, if all you kids who are elementary age that's kindergarten through fifth grade, would come this way. And three, four, and five-year-olds, if you'd meet your leader, Linda's going that way, Lindsay's coming this way. And uh, we're still working to get more people involved in our uh, kids' programming, but this is a big move for us today, so I'm excited about this. Our kids coming and going down. All right. So again, three, fours, and fives to the back, and all the elementary age up here. All right, man. We we were so used to doing it. It's taking a little bit more time, it seems like. But man, it's good to see you guys, and heading down. Very good. All right. I, just just as the kids are gathering and they're heading down, uh, my first ministry, my first ministry was in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, there was a little boy there named Matthew, and I think he was early-aged elementary. And Matthew was a handful. Are, are you familiar with handful, little kids being handfuls? And every once in a while, he got a little rambunctious and in church and things like that. And his dad laid out several warnings on one particular morning. Uh, you know, hey, you've got to calm down, you've got to calm down, you've got to calm down. And, and even threw it, began to throw in a few threats there. And, and Matt just needed a little, uh, I don't know, he crossed the line anyway this, this morning. So, Dad commenced to take him by his hand and take him down, you know, out the back of the church. And as he was going out, he was kind of promoting, hey, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. As much as he, he, wanted, he, he wanted to encourage some prayer uh, before he got to the back. And I think he knew what was coming. So, anyway... Uh, today we're going to talk about church discipline. Not an easy topic. Not an easy topic, but it is a necessary topic. I mean, Paul in this passage, it is inescapable when we go through the scriptures to, to, to skip over this. It is inescapable because it is laid out here in Corinthians and we're not going to skip this chapter. Matter of fact, Paul's already been involved in discipline, right? This letter is is actually directed for discipline. They've already dealt with this topic, church being divided. The the divisions that are have are, are being uh, created. And and so Paul has addressed that actually in the first four chapters. But now in chapter 5, he deals with a new topic. And let me read the first two verses introduces Uh, the problem that needs to be dealt with so listen carefully chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate wow okay so so just to stop and emphasize okay there is some sexual immorality going on within the church Not in the community, I want to emphasize that. It's happening in the church. And it's the kind of sexual immorality that the rest of the community, even the pagans, are looking at and saying, oh, wow, you shouldn't be doing that. All right? It goes on to say a man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Speaking to you, you, the church, are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? It, it, here, here it is. These two verses it introduces what the rest of the chapter is going to talk about. And it, it is focused upon discipline. Now Paul is not addressing this just to say, listen, you need to take care of this sinful man in your midst. I believe also the correction is coming out saying, you should have been involved in disciplining. You, you as a church should have been disciplining this. This matter should have been taken care of. So, so yeah, number one is you've got, a, you've got a person who is very sinful in your midst. And, and so we're going to talk about why that's a problem and and and, and unfold that all the way. But here's a principle that, that I believe is very true that the church needs to be conducting or, or orderly with. And it's this, that the church is responsible to discipline its members. Oh, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Are you all with me, right? Uh, the, the church needs to be involved in discipline. We need to be involved in discipline. And, and uh, before you cut and run, you know, or turn off your video for those who are watching, I, I think it's important that we listen to what Paul says here and glean from what Paul says here. Therefore, let's start here. The fact that discipline is implemented, but it is implemented for what is good, it, 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 is, it is implemented for something that is good, that is right, that is needed within the church. Discipline again—it's uncomfortable, and even to the point that Paul has to take it here in chapter five. It is—it is painful. We're going to see that some of the words that are used. It is painful, and and yet it is necessary. It is—it is good that the end result. Paul goes on in verses 3 and 4, I'll just lay it out for you, that, that Paul basically says, hey, listen, I am in the Spirit. He lays a foundation for where that discipline comes from. He, he says, okay, I'm not with you, but yet I'm with you in Spirit. I'm connected with you. And, and he says uh, that, that through Jesus, through, through his authority, there's judgment upon this individual. Uh, there, there, I've already, made, I think he says it like this, I've already made judgment through the authority of Jesus. Okay? Uh, Paul is not laying out and saying, hey, listen, you need to discipline by the church's authority, by your authority, not, not by your authority. It's not even by Paul's authority. It's through the, the, the authority of Jesus that they need to enact this discipline. That's important. That's important. That the church together with its leadership and indiv- even when we have that opportunity to, to, to confront someone, it needs to be through the authority of Jesus. We'll talk about how that looks. It is, it is absolute by the authority of Christ. Remember, we're two or three are gathered together. There is a church. When we gather together, there Jesus is in the midst is that powerful statement. Uh, Jesus is here today because we're gathered together for that purpose of Praise and focus, and to celebrate the fact that we are in Jesus. So don't miss that. Uh, here, there are two motives. There are two great reasons why the church needs to be involved in discipline. And matter of fact, I would even challenge you to say you want to be involved. If you move and go somewhere else, or uh, you know, as life takes us, to always find a church that is not afraid to discipline its members. And here's the reason why. Number one, the first reason, the primary reason, is to restore the one who's sinful in the midst. It it, it is to do exactly why Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, right? And and for those who come into the fold, man, if there's someone within our midst who is blatantly uh, involved in sinfulness, we need to be involved in discipline. Why? For their sake. For their redemption, and and let's let's look to the point that Paul has taken it here again. Paul is 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 addressing a church that has not been involved in discipline. Keep that in mind. He he is dealing with a church that hasn't uh, been involved in discipline. Therefore, this is to an extreme case. In verse five, Paul comes along and says, "Listen, uh, me or or." or, or the, the authority of Jesus and us together, through the power of Christ, needs to do this. To uh, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Woo! Now that's, that's not just pray for me. That, that's some serious language in there, isn't it? Let me read it again. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And then, then here's the, here's the uh, ultimate reason why so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. So the question is, in that difficult reading, what's it saying? Should the church kill the sinner? I mean, destruction of the flesh, what's it talking about? Are we talking about, hey, back then were they supposed to kill the sinner? You know, in the Old Testament, that was a way, you know, pick up stones and stone that sinner. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. But what is Paul talking about here? I do think that Galatians gives us some light, you know, in that place where he talks about the flesh. Hey, there, there's that one place where, in, in chapter 5, I believe it is, where Paul says, hey, do not walk by the flesh. That's what you came out of. Well, walking by the flesh is all about sinfulness, about the immorality and, and other things, the, the, the condemning sinfulness that we're saved out of. Yeah, that, that flesh to destroy that person of flesh and again walk according to the Spirit. Isn't that that our beginnings in Christ? You know, we think about baptism. We talk about, hey, we're burying that man of flesh, the sinful man, and resurrecting a new life in Jesus. so, So what the church is to be involved in doing if we have someone who is continuing in sinfulness and yet... You know, they've had that opportunity to, to be a part of the body. They need to be reminded, hey, listen, that fleshliness, that, that's no more. There is no sinfulness within the body. And actually, that's the second point. That's the second motivation for us to be involved in, in this discipline. Through Jesus, the church is, is meant to be Holy what we're yeah we're called to be holy we've seen that before i'm walking through hebrews the call is clear hey you're to be holy just like jesus is holy uh, now our holiness doesn't come through our own action are we right yeah. absolutely we know where that holy comes holiness comes from the holiness comes from the the very sacrifice of jesus his blood poured out for you and and so we as a church are learning to grow in that holiness. We're learning to grow in that holiness. Paul brings out that example in verse 6. Verse 6, Paul says, Your boasting is not good. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about why did the church think they could boast about this. And and that actually comes up in a second part in in, in chapter 6. But, hey, your boasting is not good. Don't you know a little yeast... Leavens the whole batch of dough, and he's well. Where's that come from? That's really Old Testament, and and the time of Exodus, and and the idea that we're not to be putting leaven in bread to give it time to rise. But but the real the real truth in that is just a little bit. You, know, if you've ever put yeast into a a, a a batch of dough to rise, it doesn't take much. It's just a a small amount laid in the dough that causes it to, causes it. To, to rise. And, and this yeast is likened to the sinfulness. You know, if, if we just allow willful sinfulness within the body, what happens? It spreads. It spreads. And, and, and so the problem is this, is that, that we ultimately have a disregard for the holiness that we're called to. The church cannot continue to exist and, and you know, have someone in our midst uh, with, with a willful sinning going on. And, and, and what, what, what ultimately happens is we... It, it is a disregard. It is a disrespect for what we've been given through Jesus. I like the imagery that Hebrews lays out. Uh, it, it's basically wiping your feet on, on the, the very blood of Jesus. It's disgraceful. We, we ought to be a people representing that holiness... Uh, as as the family of God, we are to foster the holiness. We're to foster the holiness, uh, strengthen it, develop it. Are are you with me? To develop it It ought to be growing amongst us and not harbor the sinfulness. Not harbor the sinfulness. Now, let me conclude this point with this. What could be said about this Corinthian church? What could be said about the Corinthian church? Well, first, I think the first thing that's obvious is they might say all day long that they love one another, but do they really love one another if they are allowing someone in their midst to continue in some kind of a willful sinning? No. That person is headed to destruction. They're living that that worldly life, the life full of sin. And if we're not going to speak up, if we're not going to involve that person in some kind of a discipline, trying to, to encourage them and, and, and to turn them away, to, to bring them back to repentance, we have no love for that individual. We have no love. And that's what the Corinthians were showing to this individual. Uh, you know, hey, turn them over to Satan. You know, excommunicate, uh, remove them in order to save them. That's, that's the greatest extreme we're going to see. That's the greatest extreme. Now, I do want to talk about method, discipline method. Paul really doesn't get into. I, I think he gives us some evidence of, of what discipline needs to contain, but method is so important. The church must discipline uh, by keeping our focus on Jesus. And that's really simple. Foundation, remember, the foundation of the discipline is, is Jesus. He deserves that role. It is by his authority. Everybody could agree. Oh, may it be by the authority of Christ we do what we do. Right? May it be according to the authority of Jesus. And that's so important. So the church disciplines, that church discipline must keep our focus on Jesus. Let me read for you 7 and 8. I I think this is important content. He goes on with that that theme of yeast, which is sinfulness, and, and the batch of dough. He says, get rid of the old yeast. That means, again, Paul's saying, get rid of that sin. So that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Right there in the midst. Okay, if if that yeast is the sin, get rid of that yeast. Why? Because Jesus died for this reason. how How do we go about a life without sin? We, we don't, we, well, we just start acting good, right? You stop doing bad and you start acting good. Is that, that's not our message at all. I want you to understand, that's not our message at all. Stop doing bad, start doing good. That's, that's what I preach to you all the time, right? No. <laughs> that's not our message. Our message is the only way that we can live a righteous life is through the blood of Jesus. He has paid our price for our sinfulness. And then on the other side of that, receiving Christ, we learn to live that righteousness. We're in a learning process. So as a family, here we are, learning to live the righteousness of Jesus. So that's the beginning. That's the very foundation for which we stand on. That's the very foundation which we approach sinfulness. Now, already this chapter is dealing with sexual immorality. But, but what other sins? Because in 9 through 11, I'm not going to read it for you, but 9 through 11, he brings out, he, he makes this point. Okay, these expectations aren't for people outside the church. This discipline isn't for people outside the church. That's the way the world is, and he hasn't removed us from this world. So we're going to live around that. People who live in... in, in, in uh, Maybe whether it's a choice not to live for Christ or whether they just continue to live in ignorance, that this forgiveness is available to them. That's the way they are. We can't help that. But here, within the body, we need to be paying attention to those folks and bring, uh, stepping forward with discipline. Here, here it is. It's not only sexual immorality it, it mentions, it's also being greedy, self-centered. A person who is an idolater, who, who is putting, you know, kind of lifting something up above God, even, an idolater and worshiping it. Slanderer, a, a drunken person, a, a swindler, not a person who drinks, but someone who is drunken, uh, overdoing that, a swindler. Those are the words mentioned. And it, the list is even beyond where we are able, maybe it's deceitfulness. Someone who's consistently deceitful. There's other areas that can be confronted, you know, to some. The question is, how do, we, how do we move forward? Now, in Paul's method, if we just took chapter 5, what we do is we turn people over to Satan all the time. No, no, no. I, I want you to remember that, that Paul is addressing a church that has not been dealing with discipline. And there is someone who's out of control, and so he goes to the extreme of discipline. Turn him over. But, but I think within Scripture, even what Paul says, there is, there is some, some things built upon that foundation of Jesus' authority that we need to move to. One of those is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And it's, it's talked about dealing uh, with discipline with gentleness. Approaching discipline with gentleness. Paul says in, in chapter 6, verse 1, brothers and sisters, again, they're identifying the body. If someone is caught in a sin... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. What, what does it take for you to be gentle? What does it take for you to be gentle? It takes love, right? It, it, it takes love and sincerity of of our position. Matter of fact, I skipped over this part. Uh, but but uh, when we're in Christ, instead of Uh, This is back 9 through 11. Instead of uh, from the world, you know, it's malice working in us. It's wickedness working in us. But in Christ, what we have working in us is truth and sincerity. Gentleness, I think, comes out of that. First of all, it's that truth. Let's be honest with each other. Oh, man, how wonderful. We love Nellie Smith because you never have to ask Nellie Smith what she thinks. Nellie Smith just tells you what she thinks. She just flat out tells you what she thinks. And really, the church, in gentleness, maybe you know, in gentleness, ought to be able to express, and especially your brother, with, and from that foundation built upon Jesus, be able to express and say, Man, I see this sinfulness working in your life. And it comes in in gentleness, and, and matter of fact, I even think in six one it means we're all involved. We think, well, okay, the teacher should be involved in discipline, or Ronnie should be involved in discipline. But the truth is, if you're walking according to the spirit, we're all involved in discipline. So, oh, you, I, I, when when I begin this sermon, you say, oh yeah, when when discipline comes down upon me. But but listen, if you're walking according to the spirit, if 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 you see a brother or sister in Christ who is who is uh, uh, not struggling, but but is involved in a sinful some kind of sinful action, maybe it's pornography. Maybe you know there some things that they're posting and stuff. Man, a believer shouldn't be involved in that. I mean, you could you could respond, or I I would encourage face to face, go them and say, man, I see this on your post. What are you doing? you do it with gentleness but even clearer I think Jesus goes to a place of laying out the steps of discipline listen to this and and uh, when it when it comes to us as believers I think this is where the activity of the church has been involved and I just think we ought to encourage this more and more and I encourage you at walking in the spirit to be involved in this kind of discipline action as well every believer where every believer is involved this is out of matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17 i want to walk through these steps where we as a church ought to be involved in discipline first of all jesus says in verse 15 he says if your brother or sister sins if your brother or sister sins if you see them uh Uh, you know continue to 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 live in deceitfulness not not speak the truth and it it, it's just something that they do or someone who who is involved in pornography or someone who continuously lives their life according to their greed and and you see it constantly you be i think the first place is begin to pray for your brother or sister begin to pray for them Search the scriptures and consider your own motivation. I wouldn't say jump right on it. I think you need to examine yourself. And, and then after prayer and considering the scriptures, I, I think the first step is this. Here's what Jesus says. Go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. If they listen to you, you won them over. You, you do a face-to-face with them. You talk in love with that gentleness and, and express your concern to that in order for them to do what? To repent. Number two, the second step with that is verse 16. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every member may be established by Oh, excuse me. Every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I I could look back in my life. I could say, man, these things I have had people do this. You know, even starting with my father, you know, who corrected me, you know, scripturally. You know, as I, as I got older, and and I could think of some 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 men in the church and and some ministers I worked with and guys I went to school with. Uh, who would speak up? And even more, more recently, it's my wife. Don't tell her I said that. But even my wife has pointed some things out in my life that I've had had to say. You know, you're right. I'm glad she didn't have to go to witnesses on that. But but my wife will speak the truth to me, and it has been a benefit for kingdom. I am thankful for those who boldly would come. To me and say I see this happening in your life and it needs to be corrected I even had I remembered a time just this morning when when an individual came before me and spoke up and then had to use witnesses because I was so ashamed of that sinfulness it was easy to deny it it was easy to deny it and with witnesses I had to accept the fact that yes I had to accept the shame and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Accept this shame, move to repentance, and then fill the freedom for forgiveness. I praise God for what God has used the church in correcting me. And you need that. Hey, our ultimate goal is to be right with God. Right? Right? Our ultimate goal is to be right with God. And if there's anything that the church ought to be doing, it is to be working together and, and discipline and we're waiting for discipline to take place in order that I may continue to change because hey, I'm his child. And as I mentioned earlier, that, that child that he grew up, man, what if dad decided not to change his life? What if dad not to choose to use correction? Then, then he only grows in this, this sense of rebellion and, 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 and wickedness. You know, we, do, we don't want that in our families. A good family provides discipline, and I want to be that family on behalf of God. I want to be that family on behalf of God and that we are involved in this kind of discipline. First, one-on-one, and, one, and, and then, even if it has to involve some witnesses, to ultimately do What? To correct the sinner, to help them to grow, to go through the difficult, to help them to grow. And and then thirdly, there is this final step, which I think Paul jumps to in this chapter 5. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Maybe go before the eldership, go before the leadership and say, This is what's happening. We've done this. I spoke to them. They continue to do it. And I've brought witnesses and they continue to do it. And here's the case. And they're refusing. So they could be brought then before the leadership and then ultimately as the church. The church is saying, Please, we want you to recognize your sinfulness and turn from your wickedness and repent. And and walk again, not according to your flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's who we are. That's who you are as you come this morning. We're people walking according to the Spirit. Through that precious blood of Jesus. Saved. Sanctified. Right? Oh man. Is it an easy road for a believer to, to do what we need to do to live for him? No. (laughs) Countless times I'd say, I I don't want to go through that discipline, but absolutely, did I need the discipline? Yes. In Hebrews, it says, God disciplines those he loves. And when you recognize the discipline, you even come to the place of rejoicing. Thank you, God, for the discipline. I thank you, God, for those people throughout my life who spoke up and corrected my direction. You need that in your life. I still need it in my life. If you see something, please say something. And we all need that. The church must be involved in discipline. It's for good. Do we understand that now? Do we we see that perspective? It is to restore the sinful person. It is also to preserve the holiness that we are called to. Preserve the holiness that he's given us. It needs to resemble, hey, we are the light of the world. That's his holiness. Our focus is upon Jesus. That The method of doing that is, man, foundationally, is because of the cross of Jesus. This is where he brought us. This is where we continue. Discipline with gentleness. One-on-one to witnesses, uh, to the church, and even to this point where Paul says, expel the wicked person turn him over to Satan, excommunicate for the purpose, not for pain, but in order that they might come to that right place of walking in the Spirit and back in a life of righteousness. We also uh, do that for the sake of of holiness. I, I think this statement's worth saying again. As the family of God, we are to foster the holiness, develop it, grow it, but may it be moving forward here, not not in, in limbo, and definitely not harboring the sinfulness of the flesh. The church must be involved in discipline. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you always for Jesus. Lord, that's why we're here. We're here to celebrate all that you've done, all that you've given to us for life and godliness. Uh, What is absolutely uh, necessary for us today is Jesus, is the blood that's been poured out to where, Lord, today we could call ourselves uh, your children and acknowledge you as our Father. We're in that right place with you and called to a life that resembles your Son, reflects your Son. So, Father, as uh, there, there's going to be sinfulness that we wrestle with, there's going to be difficulties that we face, and we're going to be taken to, to repentance because of that. And then, Father, if there is amongst us a willfulness of sinning, something that continues to, to, to happen, Lord, we pray that discipline takes place. And it happens because we love God the sinner. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. May it also happen is because we have a high regard for the holiness that you called us to. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for what you brought us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.